This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 98. I want to take a moment right now to thank all of my listeners for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com, and anywhere else you might be getting your podcasts. So in this week's episode, as is standard on Sundays, I'm covering the news and rumors for the week of October 25th, 2020 from Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's get into this. Let's do this. Okay, so first up this week from CanonRumors.com is Canon testing a 8K Super 35 cinema camera. Canon Watch is reporting that a Super 35 8K Cinema EOS camera is currently in field testing. I have been unable to confirm this information, so please treat it accordingly. Unnamed Canon 8K Cinema EOS camera specifications, 8K 3.2UM, Super 35mm image sensor, uh, high-speed 3D, dual gain output, Dual Pixel Autofocus 2, Dual Native ISO, Digic DVX, Faster AF, Faster IO, and Faster UI, DCI 8K 60 frames per second, 12-bit RAW, 4K RGB, 2 green pixel binning on the sensor, 90 frames per second, 12-bit output uh, RAW output. I do not believe that the Cinema EOS C90 will be an 8K camera, so if this information is correct, it's a new camera for the Cinema EOS lineup. 8K is coming sooner than later from Canon. The EOS R5 can't be the only camera in their lineup capable of capturing 8K video. I don't think we'll see anything officially announced until at least April of 2021. And I agree with uh, CanonRumors.com 100% on this particular article. This is exciting. The rumors of an 8K Super 35 or yeah, Super 35 cinema camera. Uh, there's a lot of cinematographers out there that would really love to be able to get their hands on an 8K cinema quality camera. And if these rumored specs are true, this thing is going to be a beast. However, keep in mind. If it's a cinema camera, it's also probably going to be super expensive. Next up, firmware update for Sigma Global Vision lenses for EF mount. We would like to announce that a new firmware update is now available for the Sigma Global Vision lenses in the Canon EF mount listed below. For customers who own the Sigma USB Dock UD-01 and applicable products listed below, please update the firmware via the Sigma Optimization Pro. A applicable product is the Sigma 18-200 F35-63 DC Macro OS HSM Alphabet Soup contemporary in the Canon EF mount. Now, the benefits of the update 
It has optimized the exposure during viewfinder shooting when used in combination with the EOS 90D. It has improved the AF accuracy when using the Sigma Mount Converter MC11 EF to E and Sigma Mount Converter MC21 EF to L. So it will allow this uh, particular lens to work equally well on the EF mount as well as the Sony E mount and the L mount Alliance cameras as well, which is Panasonic, Sigma, and Leica. Next up, DxO announces PhotoLab 4 save 30% on new purchases and upgrades. This week, DxO, one of the most innovative companies in the field of photography and image editing, is unveiling DxO PhotoLab 4, which is a major update of its multiple award-winning photo editing software. This latest version features DxO Deep Prime, a revolutionary demosaicing and denoising technology based on artificial intelligence and trained with deep learning. DxO Lab 4 has also added a new dynamic interface system called DxO Smart Workspace, enriched its photo library with a batch renaming feature, and created an even simpler workflow by adding a new and exclusive editing history tool called DxO Advanced History, with the ability to selectively copy and paste specific settings from one image to another. That's incredible. Lastly, the new DxO Instant Watermarking feature lets users sign their photos by adding a watermark directly to the image. Trained using the millions of photos DxO's laboratories have analyzed for more than 15 years, DxO Deep Prime employs cutting-edge artificial intelligence and drastically improves digital noise reduction while also delivering more effective demosaicing. The resulting photo quality is nothing short of spectacular, especially for photos taken in low-light conditions that require brightening certain areas, photos with small pixels, and photos taken with an early-generation camera. To reduce noise and demosaic raw images, DxO Deep Prime was trained using several billion samples. Since its founding in 2003, DxO has earned an international reputation for calibrating hundreds of cameras and thousands of lenses using a protocol that is more extensive than any other in the industry. DxO has measured the distortion, vignetting, chronomatic aberrations, loss of sharpness, and digital noise generated by each equipment combination and in every situation with an extraordinary level of precision. Using a traditional approach, these two operations are performed separately, with each one introducing artifacts that degrade the quality of the other. With Deep Learning, DxO Deep Prime has adopted a holistic approach that combines the two steps into one to deliver exceptional performance. With DxO Deep Prime, all information in a photo, especially photos taken in low light, is rendered beautifully. Color details are better preserved and the transitions are more natural and regular. Compare DxO Prime, DxO's previous denoising algorithm, and the current standard among photo editing software programs. DxO Deep Prime delivers a gain of around two ISO sensitivity values at a comparable level of quality. Quote, there are a number of applications for DxO Deep Prime, explains Jerome Menier, and I, I apologize if I mispronounced your name, Jerome, CEO of DxO. 
DxO Deep Prime creates new creative opportunities by helping expert photographers overcome digital noise or a lack of light. For amateur photographers, DxO Deep Prime compensates the drawbacks of the smaller sensor on compact and bridge cameras, which can typically only take high-quality images in very bright light. Lastly, it can also be used to revamp photos taken by less advanced cameras from the start of the digital era. Now that is definitely amazing. If you can use this photo to drastically improve photos that you took years ago in the infancy of digital photography and make them a lot better, that's game changing. And I've used DxO software for some time now. I do like it. It's not my primary photo editor, but it sounds like it's going to be a heavy contender with this new DxO Lab 4. Okay, so D DxO Smart Workspace, you are unique and your workspace should be too. DxO's dynamic smart workspace is based on a groundbreaking system of filters that can be accessed directly from the toolbar. It allows users to show tool palettes by correction type, only display their pre-selected favorite palettes, or only show palettes with activated corrections. In addition, DxO's smart workspace can also instantly open the desired palette when users search for a tool in a dedicated search field. With its display filters and exclusive search feature, the Dynamic DxO Smart Workspace features help users significantly increase their productivity and provides them with a workflow adapted to each individual's needs, regardless of their skill level. It also makes transitioning from other software programs to DxO Photo Labs smoother by helping photographers quickly get their bearings which is going to be a big thing because I know with a lot of photo editors, um, new photographers and amateur photographers, they struggle with trying to figure everything out, how to navigate the software, how to use the tools properly and all of that. And of course, as most everybody knows, one of the hardest photo editing tools to use is Photoshop. I've worked with Photoshop quite a bit for ever since Photoshop came out years ago. And I am still not even close to an expert. There's people that run circles around me when editing in Photoshop. Okay, so next, batch renaming work faster and better. DxO Photolab 4 lets users edit the names of multiple files in a single step. From the DxO Photo Library or directly from the photo browser, users can select several files, then use a dedicated dialog box to rename them, add text before or after the existing names, and number them as well. By offering both editing features and the option to search and replace, DxO Photolab 4 lets photographers edit series of images and effectively manage their photo libraries, resulting in a substantial increase in productivity. So again, this is another huge thing. Um, I've tried several programs to rename my photos, um, and most of them, you know, they work, but they're kind of a pain in the butt to use. I mean, you can rename your photos in Lightroom, but you have certain limitations and yada, yada, yada. It just gets to be a pain. So it sounds like this might make that a lot easier. DxO Advanced History, your personal editing memory. The new history palette in DxO Photo Lab 4 lists all corrections applied to an image successively and by chronological order. In this way, it saves every edit that has been made to a photo. It also displays the editing values next to each state of the image, as well as the difference compared to previous values. 
This lets photographers navigate to different moments in the editing process without losing sight of every change that is made to the photo. For complex edits such as presets or several settings from the same tool, DxO Photo Lab 4 is the only photo editing software that includes group adjustments in its history. These edits can be hidden as needed. So again, this is another huge thing. Um, in most, uh, most photo editing programs, there's some sort of history as you work on a photo, you know, showing each edit that you made. Lightroom especially has that. But it's not very intuitive, and I really don't like the way it's designed and laid out. Now, this don't get me wrong. I'm not plugging DxO Photo Lab 4. I haven't tried the software yet for myself. I still have Photo Lab 3. But if all of this stuff is true, this could be a serious upgrade for any photographer's photo editing workflow. So I'm definitely intrigued. Selective copy and paste. Batch processing is even now even faster and more flexible. The ability to selectively copy and paste settings is a DxO Photo Lab 4 feature that lets users synchronize the settings of several similar images by applying a specific selection of individual edits from one photo to another. From the photo browser, users can select the specific edits they want to apply to one or several other images by editing type, such as lighting, color, detail, local adjustments, geometry, or watermarking. DxO Instant Watermarking. Your photos deserve your signature. Most photo editing programs let users add a watermark but not let them directly preview the final version. They also don't allow users to manage blend modes. The powerful and flexible DxO Instant Watermarking tool lets users embed a text and or image in the background of one or several photos at the same time and then instantly view the result. The placement, orientation, scale, margins, and opacity of the watermark are fully configurable. DxO Photo Lab 4 is the only tool to offer seven blend modes that take into account background lighting to ensure the image or text signature is easily visible. Again, this is a huge game changer. Um, I know you can uh, watermark your photos in Lightroom as you're exporting them, but when you set up your watermark, it does have a little preview window where it'll show you where the watermark will appear on your images and what it looks like. But that preview window is so small, you really can't get a good idea. So if DxO Photo Lab 4 allows you to apply your watermark and then see what it looks like on the full size image, that's another big gain for all of us. New camera support. DxO Photo Lab 4 continues to add the latest cameras to the list of equipment it supports. It has added support for the Canon EOS R5, EOS R6, and the EOS 850D. The Nikon D6 and Z5, the Olympus OM-DE M10 Mark IV, and the Panasonic Lumix S5 cameras. More than 60,000 camera and lens combinations are now available. As far as pricing and availability, the Essential and Elite editions of DxO Photo Lab 4, PC, and Mac are now available for download on DxO's website. For the following launch, prices are good until November 19, 2020. The DxO Photo Lab 4 Essential Edition, $99 instead of $129. DxO Photo Lab 4 Elite Edition, $149.99 instead of $199. 
You do not need a subscription to use DxO Photo Lab 4. You can install the program on two computers with the DxO Photo Lab 4 Essential Edition or on three computers with the DxO Photo Lab 4 Elite Edition. Photographers with a license for DxO Optics Pro or Photo Lab 3 can purchase an upgrade license for DxO Photo Lab 4 by signing into their customer account at the link, and I'll include all of this in the show notes, a fully functional one-month trial version of DxO Photolab 4 is available on the DxO website. Well, this is huge, and I'm definitely intrigued by this. And like I said, I'm definitely going to have to give this software a test drive. Uh, I currently have DxO Photolab 3, the Elite Edition, and uh, that's more than likely the route I'll go for DxO Photolab 4 because I do have multiple Macs that I edit photos on. So I like having the the three uh, three different machine uh, sign-in capability with the licensing on the Elite Edition. Next up, firmware for Canon EOS 5D Mark IV version 1.3.0. Canon this week released new firmware for the Canon EOS 5D Mark IV. Firmware version 1.3.0 incorporates the following enhancements and fix. Enables NFC connection with smartphones using Android 10 operating system. For Android running 6.0 or later, use the Camera Connect version 2.7.10 or later. For Android running version 5 or older, use a connection method other than NFC. Enables support for the .cr2 image file format on image.canon. Fixes a phenomenon in which some camera operations may not be possible or an error may occur after an insufficient flash output is produced when shooting with flash. So we have new firmware for the 5D Mark IV. I never personally bought the, the Mark III or the Mark IV. I went from the Mark II uh, to the 1DX Mark II. But it is good to see that Canon is still staying on top of trying to make sure any bugs are resolved as quickly as possible and giving Android users new capabilities with the NFC connection. That is great for everybody. Next up, Canon firmware for EOS 6D Mark II version 1.1.0. Canon this week released new firmware for the Canon 6D Mark II. Firmware version 1.1.0 incorporates the following enhancements and fix. Similar to the 5D Mark IV, enables NFC connection with smartphones running Android 10 operating system. For Android running 6.0 or later, use Canon Camera Connect app 2.7.10 or later. For Android running 5.0 or older, use a connection method other than NFC. Enable support for the .cr2 image file format on image.canon. Canon EOS R6 body only is back in stock on Amazon. Our exclusive affiliate partner, Adorama, has stock of the Canon EOS R6 body only. Act quickly, they won't stay in stock for long. Key features, high image quality featuring a 20 megapixel full frame CMOS sensor, Digic X image processor with an ISO range of 100 to 102,400, which is the digital snowstorm, expandable to 204,800 ISO digital super snowstorm. Dual pixel CMOS AF covering approximately 100% area with 1,053 AF areas. Subject tracking of people and animals using deep learning technology. 
in-body image stabilization can provide up to eight stops of shake correction. Dual UHS-2 SD memory card slots built in Wi-Fi and Bluetooth technology enhanced operating controls. And I think they might have made a mistake in this article because the headline is back in stock on Amazon, but then they mentioned their affiliate partner, Adorama. So <laughs> I think somebody screwed up on that article, but it is great to see that Canon does have more EOS R6s on the market for purchase. Next up, you can finally autofocus Leica M-mount lenses on Nikon Z mirrorless cameras with the new TechArt TZM01 adapter. Now, this is starting our segment on NikonRumors.com. So that is exciting for Nikon Z mirrorless camera shooters. Using this new TechArt TZM01 adapter, you can now get full autofocus with Leica M-mount electronic lenses. Next up, Nikon Z8, Z9 rumor confusion because up to five different new pro cameras are being tested. The reason for the different Nikon Z8 and Z9 specifications I've been reporting in the past few months is very simple. There are several different prototypes being tested and it is way too early to have a concrete set of specifications more than a year before the official announcement. Currently, I think Nikon is testing and has been testing for a while five different high-end Z cameras with different specifications, and I was trying to combine all rumored specs into one camera. This was obviously wrong. Here are some details on three of the cameras that are or were being tested. All camera variations have a new pro body design. 60 megapixel 16-bit A slash D model with a 5,076 megapixel viewfinder, 120 hertz refresh rate. We may expect something similar for the D850 replacement without the EVS, obviously. The next test model has fewer megapixels and it's designed for sports. Same 5,076 mega and uh, 76,000 megapixel 120 hertz viewfinder, very high frame rate greater than 20 frames per second, stunning AF tracking better than the D6. The third model has a 46 megapixel sensor, 20 frames per second. The viewfinder is also 5.76 megapixels with a 120 hertz refresh rate. It seems that Nikon is aiming at a high megapixel model and a second camera for sport. My understanding is that the biggest problem or bottleneck is the processor. The 60 megapixel sensor already exists. The Nikon Z8 slash Z9 rumors could be confusing for a few more months and then everything will start to make sense as more information is released from Nikon. So this is definitely intriguing and I'm not surprised to hear that Nikon is most likely working on a high megapixel camera as well as a much faster sport model because right now they're lagging drastically behind Canon and Sony. Canon released the EOS R5 and R6 and either one honestly could be used as a sports camera with their impressive 20 frames per second using the electronic shutter. So we'll have to see how this fleshes out in 2021. We hope you're enjoying this episode of the Liam Photography Podcast. You can visit the homepage for the show at liamphotographypodcast.com for show notes and links. You can call or text the show at 470-294-8191 with questions, comments, or requests for future episodes. If you prefer not to call or text, you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. 
Also, check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group, and you can find us on Twitter at LiamPhotoATL. On Twitter, you can tweet the show. Just insert the hashtag LiamPhotoPodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. Next up, Topaz Labs Gigapixel AI version 5.2 released and is now on sale. In my last post, in addition to the new versions of Capture One Pro 21, DxO Photo Lab 4, Photoshop 22, and Lightroom 10, I forgot to mention the new version 5.2 of Topaz Labs Gigapixel AI that was just released today. With Gigapixel AI, you can enlarge images up to 600% without losing detail and preserving the image quality. Gigapixel AI is now on sale for $79.99, regular price $99.99. The Topaz Labs Utility Bundle is on sale for $195, regular price is $249.99. Users with expired licenses of Gigapixel AI can purchase a one-year license renewal for $49. You can get an additional 15% off with the code RUMORS15 on all Topaz Lab products. Here is what's new in Gigapixel AI version 5.2 a new crop tool to crop your images without leaving Gigapixel AI, a new, quote, compressed AI processing model trained to enlarge photos with artifacts and compressed images downloaded from the internet, a UI overhaul to give Gigapixel AI a new aesthetic and more consistently, faster previewing and saving of images. The above offers are valid through Friday, November 6th of 2020. So if you're interested in buying this software and getting the discounted price, it's better to act now. Next up, Manfrotto announced new battery and charger for Nikon cameras. Manfrotto is now in the battery business and announced new battery and chargers for the Nikon cameras. The Manfrotto lithium-ion battery for Nikon cameras, 7-volt, 2,000 milliamp hours, will work with Nikon D500, D600, D7000, D7100, D7200, D800, D800E, D810, and V1 cameras. The Manfrotto ProCube Twin Charger for select Nikon batteries, the Nikon ENEL14, the ENEL15, and the ENEL25. So it looks like Manfrotto has decided making tripods, monopods, and camera bags wasn't enough for them. They now got into the battery space. So this is definitely going to make things interesting. I don't have any pricing on Manfrotto's batteries to compare as far as, you know, if they're less expensive than Nikon's or more expensive or what the case might be. So we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that particular development. New photo editing software, Capture One Pro 21, DxO Photo Lab 4, and Photoshop 22, along with Lightroom 10. Capture One Pro 21 is now available for pre-order for existing customers. Several different upgrade purchase options are available depending on the version owned. You will need to log into your account in order to upgrade. Users on version 12 or older who upgrade to Capture 120 will get the next version 21 included in their purchase. Capture 120 users can pre-order the next version 21 at a 20% discounted price and as a bonus get a free sample styles pack. Use promo code PREORDER2020 for the 20% off 
available only for current Capture One 20 users. So it's definitely interesting that everybody seems to be releasing new software at late 2020. It definitely uh, keeps things fresh and keeps everybody happy as far as the latest tools and technology to edit and post-process their images. Next up, several new releases from Adobe. Adobe released version 22 of Photoshop, dated October 2020 release. New Photoshop for iPad with a lot of new features. You can see the full list in the article, which I'll include in the show notes for this episode. The new Adobe Lightroom Classic version 10 is also now available. See cameras supported and lenses supported at the website. New versions for Lightroom for iOS and Lightroom for Android were also released. Adobe Camera Raw 13 is now also available. The latest Adobe CC subscription plan rates can be found on the website. A free Lightroom CC trial is available, no credit card required. More information on the different Lightroom versions is available at the website. The different Adobe Creative Cloud options are also listed there. So it's definitely exciting that Adobe has rolled out new versions of their software. Let's hope they're fairly bug-free. I've been waiting to see if my friend Jeff Harmon over at Photo Taco is going to release an article on whether or not he recommends people upgrade or if they should wait due to bug bugs in the software itself. So I'll have to wait and see what Jeff has to say about that. New Luminar AI video shows more AI-powered tools to rapidly add, quote, wow, to your landscape images. Luminar goes all in with AI, and maybe it's not a bad idea in times where social media presence is also very important for many companies. In fact, if you're a content creator that relies also on sharing often on social media, speeding up the workflow is crucial. Hence, I can see all this smart automation becoming very useful to optimize your time. Now, Skylem posted in new vi- this new video showing how their new landscape AI edits your images automatically and fast on the new Luminar AI, which you can now pre-order, with features that go well beyond the much-talked sky replacement AI, such as Composition AI finds a perfect composition for your photo in one click. Enhance AI builds a brightness map of your photo and analyzes and finds the uneven lighting and colors in your image images and then helps you balance those regions with a simple slider. Sky AI automatically detects and changes the sky and also adjusts the lighting to match the sky. We have a ready-to-use set of skies, but you are also free to add your own. Atmosphere AI is one of the most advanced tools that reconstructs your 2D images in 3D in order to add realistic atmospheric effects. You can fill your picture with realistic-looking fog, haze, or mist. You can now pre-order the new Luminar AI software with a pre-order discount. Oh look, blockbuster Monster Hunter poster image snapped with Fujifilm X-Series gear, although it's not a full frame. Now this is from FujiRumors.com as we transition to their stories for the week. Evidently, some stills don't get it that APS-C is not for pros, and this is why we continue to see this. The official Joker images were taken with the Fujifilm X. Official Mission Impossible Fallout images were snapped with an X and a GFX. Official images of Hollywood's blockbuster Dunkirk were taken with a Fujifilm X-Series body. And now we can add another one to the batch. The upcoming Hollywood blockbuster Monster Hunter 
poster image has been taken on a Fujifilm X-T2 with XF50 to 140mm f2.8 lens by a fellow Fujifilm X-shooter, Coco Van Opens. IG is cost, uh, Coco Stills and IG Monster Hunter movie. Coco has shared this information here at our massive XT group. I will share the trailer of the movie below as well as a one-hour preview with Coco. I'll let it start at minute 4708 for you, which is when she talks about the gear she uses, but make sure to watch it all as soon as you have time. Here is some of the gear she uses, the Fujifilm X-T2 slash X-T3, Fujifilm X-H1, the XF16-55 f2.8, and the XF50-140 f2.8. She is looking at the Fujifilm X-T4 as well. Why does she like Fuji? Well, a lot of reasons. The dials, she does not need to go through the menu, electronic shutter, fast autofocus, and fantastic quality straight out of the camera. Next up, Fujifilm Manager XS10 presentation, quote, not all Fujifilm cameras will have selfie screens in the future and we don't hate mode dials, end quote. The Japanese YouTube channel, and I can't pronounce it because it's in Japanese, but I'll share a link to this article in the show notes, had a chat with a Fujifilm manager. The talk gravitates around the Fujifilm XS10, and quite frankly, 90% of what is said is stuff you already know. Here we highlight a few things that we consider more interesting. First, the mode dial. One of the things we wanted to do was, quote, custom position, which is available from C1 to C4. We don't hate mode dials. The XS10 is a quote, gate camera for those who enter the X system. A mode dial for simply, oper simply operating was adopted for that reason. The mode dial with C positions is actually like going back to the roots for the Fujifilm X series as Fujifilm's second X series camera ever had already won and it continued with its successor. If you ask me, bringing it back in what is probably the best value for money mid-range camera on the market is an extremely smart and urgently needed move. We need more folks to join the X-Club, and the XS10 could serve this purpose very well. Film simulations plus auto mode. It is no exaggeration to say that the first reason for wanting to use a Fujifilm camera is its film simulations. By pressing the Q button after displaying the film simulation with the function dial, an explanation of that film simulation will appear on screen. An increasing number of younger generations of photography enthusiasts have never shot on film. New SP mode will record also RAW and select everything for you, including the film simulation. The rise of very angle screens or selfie screens, Fujifilm is not trying to put very angle screens on every camera they make. Each camera has its own personality and Fujifilm chooses whether to implement a selfie screen depending on the main shooting purpose for that body. The three-axis tilt LCD monitor works effectively for still, shoot, uh, still image shooting, so Fujifilm thinks it will continue to be an effective camera that focuses on still image. In my opinion, a three-way tilt screen is superior also for video shooters. The only advantage for full, uh, fully articulating screens is if you have to take selfie images or film yourself, which I agree with 100%. It's one of the reasons why I love my Canon EOS R and RP is the selfie screen, which makes it easier for me to self-film my YouTube videos. 
Next up, B&H Photos shipping first batch of Fujinon XF50 F1.0R WR lenses. Finally, B&H Photo has started shipping the Fujinon XF50 F1.0 as reported also by our Fujifilm XT member, Michael. Finally arrived from B&H, but my puppy won't go outside with me to pose. What a gorgeous dog lens. Sorry, I am a massive dog lover. The XF 50mm f1.0 is available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. Fujifilm said that the demand for this lens has been overwhelming. I guess not all pre-orders will be fulfilled immediately, and in fact, I hear some fellow X-shooters getting delivery dates well into December. But at least the delivery started. Let's hope it will proceed at a faster pace going forward. The XF50 1.0, like I said, can be bought at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. In Europe, it can be bought at Amazon DE, Calumet DE, Wex UK, Park Cameras UK, Jessup UK, Amazon UK, and PCH Store. Next up, Sam Yang AF 18mm f2.8 FE review by Optical Limits. Quote, if you are aware of its limitations, it can still be an excellent tool. Optical Limits tested the Sam Yang AF 18mm f2.8 FE and concluded the following. Quote, the Sam Yang AF 18mm f2.8 FE isn't the silver bullet in its segment but given its size and also price tag, this can't be expected anyway. If you are aware of its limitations, it can still be an excellent tool. While it isn't the last sword, uh, our last word on corner sharpness at f2.8, the question is whether it's required for on your usage pattern. It's not ideal for astrophotography, but sharp corners aren't really needed for shallow depth of field photography. Stopped down, the image quality is actually very decent across the image frame, so applications such as landscape photography or city scenes are certainly possible with impressive results. The amount of lateral chromatic aberration is about average, but can easily be corrected in post-processing. Image distortions are moderate for such a lens, even in RAW format. An unsurprising weakness, given the small front element, is vignetting. It's very heavy at f2.8 and not brilliant at medium aperture settings either. Autocorrection reduces this a bit, but some light falloff remains. We didn't run our formalized bokeh test, but based on the field images, the quality is in line with other ultra-wide lenses, meaning that it can be a bit on the rough side. We aren't totally convinced by the build quality of this little Samyang lens. Formally, there's nothing wrong with it. There's nothing shaky about it, and it doesn't change size during focusing. The focus ring is smooth as well. It just feels... A little cheap. The AF speed is okay for such a lens, but it takes a while before it finally gets itself settled and gets focus locked. It has to be pointed out that the Samyang AF 18mm 2.8 FE is by far the most affordable option ultra-wide lens in Sony E-mount. But our and it's not only affordable, but it also represents a great value proposition. You can buy the Samyang 18mm f2.8 FE lens at B&H Photo and Adorama. And of course, we're now in the Sony Alpha Rumors segment of this episode, wrapping up for the week. Next up, new firmware update for the Sigma MC11 EF2E adapter. 
Sigma issued a new firmware update for this adapter. The benefits of the update, it makes the converter compatible with Sigma 18-200 F35-63 DC macro OHSM alphabet soup contemporary in the Canon EF mount. That has the latest firmware version 2.03. It also makes the converter compatible with the Sigma 70-200 F2.8 DG OS HSM Sports in Canon EF mount that has the latest firmware version 1.02. It makes the converter compatible with the Sigma 100-400 F5-63 DGOS HSM. Contemporary in Canon EF mount that has the latest firmware version 2.07 makes the converter compatible with the Sigma 150-600 F5-63 DGOS HSM. Sports and Canon EF mount that has the latest firmware 2.02 makes the converter compatible with the Sigma 200 F1.4 DG HSM Art and the Canon EF mount that has the latest firmware 2.01. So Sigma is doing a great job of getting their firmware updated for these adapters. The MC11 EF2E adapter I know is super, super popular because a lot of people that switched from Canon to Sony to get the advantages of Sony's mirrorless bodies at the time did keep a lot of their Canon glass because most people admit that Canon hands down has some of the best glass on the market. Next up, the new Sigma 105 FE macro lens is in stock for the first time in the United States. The new Sigma 105 F2.8 macro lens is in stock for the first time in America via Focus Camera. It will ship soon at B&H Photo in Adorama as well. Next up, a rumor Sony will add LiDAR autofocus technology on future Alpha cameras. I got this from a news source, so I don't know yet if this is completely BS or if this is real and very exciting news. He told me the following, quote, after the recent iPhone 12 premiere, I was talking to one of my friends who is an Apple engineer. He said that at some point, Sony was looking at incorporating new Apple's A14Z chip that will be used in the upcoming 2021 iPad Pro. He said that Sony is working on adding computational photography features to upcoming cameras. He said that it is also very probable that Sony will start using their own LiDAR sensor that they sell to Apple as they were impressed by how well Apple used LiDAR for better AF tracking. One thing he said is that to get maximum performance of the A14Z Bionic chip, Sony has to completely rebuild its in-body camera software. I find this very interesting, so I thought I'd share. We need to remember that Sony is selling both image sensors and LiDAR sensors to Apple, and they have a really good relationship. Just recently, DJI released the new RS2 gimbal stabilizer available at B&H Photo and Adorama. It also comes with a new LiDAR sensor with autofocus motor for manual focusing lenses, and here's how it works. So while a rumor from a new source doesn't make this a reliable info yet, I think it is really highly likely Sony is working on LiDAR tech for their cameras. This may be the next generation of autofocus system to beat the rest of the competition. And I do agree. I, I'm not surprised at all to hear this rumor um, because as it's mentioned in this article, Sony does make both the processor, the sensor for Apple's uh, iPhones and iPads, but they also make the new LiDAR sensor for the iPhone 12 Pro and Pro Max. So Sony incorporating that technology into their own cameras in the future is pretty much a no-brainer. 
Yongnu has announced the new 35mm f2.0 FE autofocus lens. Yongnu just announced this new lens. The lens will be available soon through their official Amazon store. Google translated presentation text. First up, equipped with the function key. Uh, the function buttons and key, reasonable allocation of function buttons can quickly call up a function menu or perform a shortcut operation, which improves the efficiency of creating images. Small and light, the maximum diameter and length of the lens is about 67 by 72 millimeters, and the net weight is only 295 grams. The lightweight design is convenient for daily carrying and long-term handheld shooting and video recording. Equipped with a quiet CNC stepper motor with traditional DC motors, digitally controlled stepping motors, or DSMs, have quick start-stop start response, high-focusing accuracy, and quieter focusing action, which is suitable for photo shooting and especially video recording. The F2 large aperture, flexible use of the F2 large aperture, easy-to-obtain soft blur effect, can also use low sensitivity and high shutter to shoot in low-light environments. Nine optical lenses in eight groups, nano multi-layer coating. It adopts eight groups and nine element optical structure design in the lens nano multi-layer coating process, which effectively improves the light transmittance and surpasses the ghost image and glare of backlight. A spheric lens mounted, one a spherical glass lens, various aberrations, effective compensation. A low dispersion lens using one MEI low dispersion glass lenses to better suppress the wide dispersion problems arising. There's seven circular aperture blades can produce circular diffuse spots and the aperture can be reduced approximately to uh, appropriately to reduce 14 starburst effects. My apologies. USB firmware upgrade compatible with USB Type-C interface. You can download the latest firmware to upgrade the lens to keep the lens at its best performance. It does have a metal bayonet and gold-plated contacts. The use of high-precision metal bayonet and gold-plated contacts effectively improves signal conductivity and corrosion resistance and is durable. At the same time, it allows the camera and lens to maintain reliable communication and realize functions such as autofocus, aperture control, and EXIF transmission. And that is all of the news and rumors that I have for this week, the week of October 25th, 2020, from the four big camera rumor sites. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is name the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest that has been on the show to show that you're a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. If you would like creative critique on your images, you can post them with the comments CC please, and myself or another pro in the group would be happy to give you some pointers. Additionally, I am the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group as well. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my project at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com. Remember, the first book goes on sale November 9th, 2020, so keep checking for updates about media appearances and book signings. 
All right. One other thing I wanted to throw in for this week before I say goodbye is please stop by on YouTube and check out my YouTube channel, which is called Aperture Assassin. And then I also have a YouTube channel for the Forgotten Pieces of George Project. Thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate your support. And I'll see you again in another seven days.